This is the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. And we're back! Back? And better than ever? On the Catholic Movie Guy Podcast. It's me, the Catholic Movie Guy. With my bosom friend, Tom. It's me, the Tim Man. I'm here uh, with the Tim Man to talk about something that... Is it the best thing ever? It might be the best thing ever. But before I do that, for newbies, if there are any newbies, there seem to be some newbies out there. Catholic Movie Guy Podcast is a Catholic guy who likes movies. It's not about Catholic movies. Although, you know, we'll bring a Catholic perspective as we can and, uh, you know, kind of uh, make it up as we can. Right, Tom? Yeah. Today's movie is going to be two movies. So you get bonus content. Two movies. To the movies. I love movies. You love them. And I love these movies, especially. <laughs> yes. The God's Father's Ones and Twos. Right. The's Godfather. I don't know how this is going to go. There's not going to be a lot of criticism in the sense of you know negativity because I don't have much negative to say about these movies. And they are quite long, and we're going to do both of them. So I anticipate that this will, will run long, but we're going to do it a little differently because it's going to be mostly an appreciation, a love fest. I'm going to go kind of scene by scene of each movie, and then we'll just riff off that and hopefully tie together some of the, the larger themes of the movie as we go. Does that sound good with you, the Tim Man? Uh, I am the second banana on this podcast, so anything you do is fine with me. But you're still a Chiquita. Oh, nice, nice. You don't want to be a dole. Don't. They're horrible. Well, I mean, a banana's a banana. No, the sticker changes the taste. It's been proven. Whatever. Whatever. So, part of this uh, podcast is going to be uh, kind of a hashing out of a disagreement that Tim Man and I have, which is that he is definitely a Godfather 1 guy, and I pride myself on being a Godfather 2 guy. But I mean, we both love both of them. I think that's fair to say. Yes. So we'll uh, we'll you know go round by round, and then we'll we'll tally the scorecard at the end. Okay. The Godfather one. Pretty significant picture, and the first scene of it, you know, I'm going to kind of go against myself because it's hard to beat that first scene. I believe in America, right? And the story of the Godfather is the story of America. So you have this poor little uh, mortician coming in to seek. Well, basically, I guess, amounts to a sort of divine justice because human justice has let him down. And who does he go to but Marlon Brando, the Godfather? Now, I'd be remiss if I didn't give Tim just the slight... Because we're going to try to take this seriously, at least I am. I'm going to give Tim the opportunity to get his Marlon Brando impersonation out of the way right now. All right. You come to me on the day of my daughter's wedding, and you want me to kill this schmo for money. Money! You show me no respect. What do you think? Wonderful, wonderful Thank impression. You. It was Marlon Brando. Yes. Uh, Brando himself in that great Dr. Moreau's Island in the Sky. There's no <laughs> doubt proud. But anyway, so the so this first scene, it sets up so much, uh, so economically. It's it's a masterwork. It doesn't, it doesn't rush it either, but... Like, if you think about it, I, I haven't even, I didn't look at the tape beforehand or anything, but that opening scene, the wedding, him taking guests, not a whole lot happens of, of, of like, plot consequence, if anything. And it takes its time about it, but it's, it's every minute's a delight. I, I think um, just that initial interaction with Bonacera, you get the juxtaposition between the Italian immigrants who wanted to buy into the system and those who, you know, the ties of family or, or Cosa Nostra or whatever their, their clique was from back home and trying to make money because they're dirt poor. I, I think it just does it so well. And, and throughout, there is no moment in which the Godfather is actually threatening anybody or appears like he could kill somebody. But you know for a fact that this is a man who can have people killed, who has had people killed, and that this undertaker is so afraid of him but he's so desperate to do something and now he's coming to him and he thinks he understands the gangster that he wants money wants to be paid but in reality brando wants to be respected and have a network because that's how he makes things move hence the little 
puppet graphic that's on the movie posters. Uh, that's literally what he's doing. He is not literally, but he's <laughs> definitely sorry. Not I mean, pet peeve. <laughs> I just triggered the pet peeve warning. But uh, that's what he's doing here, and it's it's so it's so great the way he operates, which will be fleshed out later, of course, in Godfather Two, another great movie about how he started that and how his operation was different than the uh, rival he took over. So I don't want to get too far afield. But everything is stated without being stated. Well, I mean, that's that's the thing. It's like, uh, I mean, the puppet, the puppetry imagery, you have to be in the family to benefit from being in the family, basically. And this guy hasn't done the proper thing. He thinks that this is a money thing. It's not really about that. Of course, organized crime is about money. But as we'll see later in the film, money is not the thing that Brando prizes first and foremost at all. Plot-wise, you get to meet in this, and especially in the extended opening wedding scene, but even right away, you meet the main characters and you get to know everything about who they are relevant to this movie from that opening scene. You know that Tom Hagen's the organized one, the lawyer, he's the advisor. You know the Michael's trying to be kept one. out of it and he thinks that the family business is, is a bad deal. You know, even like you know that Enzo. Diane Keaton's going to be a problem. Yeah, Enzo. You know, even the ends of the florist, you know, or the baker. The baker brings the flowers to the hospital. You know that Sonny is uh, prone to letting his passions get the best of him. In, in every <laughs> in sense. In every sense of the word. You know that Fredo's an idiot. Just look yeah. at him. Uh, yeah, and you, and you also see that this extended family is still, you know, an extended family. I mean, that that is quite the wedding. Yes, and I I've always thought that Brando was a very sympathetic character because of his devotion to his family it's not merely a front this is a guy who loves his family right and and i will concede that of course but we'll see very soon well let me let me stay with this for a second so family we see that this is the what is this the mid 40s right it's just after world war ii probably 46 or 47 that's that far after it's at least 46 okay fine so we see that their family is still very Italian. The music is Italian. The grandpa's up there singing his dirty song. They're dancing the Italian dance. They got the Italian look. They got the proper food, etc. And this contrast will be important when we get to Godfather too. That family is still a family, and it's still an Italian family. And they're still in New York, which is where Vito, we will learn. You know, we, It's obvious from the movie, but we'll learn further in Godfather too. made his hay in America. But... We contrast that family scene. So you contrast the, the strength of the family with the viciousness of the patriarch in the next scene, which is basically the Johnny uh, gets his Johnny Fontaine movie scene, the horse head in the bed scene. By the way, spoilers are plenty. Uh, you have you no have, right. If you haven't seen The Godfather, you're out of luck. Why are you listening to this? I mean, I think only people who have seen it will listen to it. Yeah, this is going to go on for quite a ways. Uh, so you contrast that with the vicious that he's willing to threaten a man's life and kill, damage his property, kill his beloved horse, etc. To get a part for a, you know, a tangential member of the family in a movie. I mean, so... Right, he's a great guy, but just do what he wants. <laughs> well, from a Catholic perspective, okay... Get a great guy. He is not. I mean, obviously not. Well, right. But uh, in this milieu, he has more honor than yeah. your typical mobster. Or at least I think it's a both and for him. Of course, the illegal things that he does are not good. But he actually also, with that, has a concomitant love for his family. It has a sense of honor. Uh, I think, you know, in a sense, is even religious. I don't. I don't get the. And it's so funny because our beloved Pope Francis, of course, likes to pick on mafioso all the time. I think. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Pope Francis reference for some for absolutely no reason. <laughs> oh no! What I mean is, say what you will. They have a code of honor and they have a respect for family. They just also have this big problem, which has nothing to do with <laughs> honor or family. But they're not all bad. It's better than some gangs we can envision today that don't even have that. I want to talk about the the scene with uh, the, the Hollywood producer whose name escapes me. Do you remember his name? Uh, Waltz. All right. But before you do that, that first scene when you talk about everybody being introduced, even the, the story about Luca Brasi and Johnny Fontaine's contract, it sets all that up and you get that in the very first scene. So the scene with, with the movie producer... That could have been handled very quickly. That could have been handled entirely off camera. The whole story, the whole Johnny Fontaine aspect has no real relevance to the ultimate plot. But it's one of the most iconic scenes in the movie and to, not superfluous at all. Why? 
it shows the reach of the Godfather in time and space, okay? This is in California. He doesn't have to do it himself. He sends a guy. There's a nice dinner. Just do what I want you to do. And if not, he makes things happen. It shows you that there's really very little you can do to oppose me. They're trying to set up that Don Corleone was the chief uh, capo of all of the five family. And despite his reasonableness in a certain in a certain way, his ruthlessness. Right. Okay. So then we, we go to, back immediately after that, to the good side of the Godfather again. This new guy, Salazzo, is partnering with the Barzini family, right? And they need they want Corleone's help to run some drugs. Right? I heard you were a serious man. And the judges that he has in his pocket. Hey, <laughs> right. And he realizes that it'll be profitable. And I think he thinks that the Salazzo is a, is a legitimate enough businessman and all that. But he says no because he doesn't believe in getting in drug in, involved in the drug business. Right. He's a principled man in this sense. He has principles and he's also looking after his interests. He thinks that he'll lose the politicians and the judges if he gets involved in what he considers a dirty racket. Right. So then, this doesn't please Salazzo all that much. I would say not. And long, sto- long story short, Salazzo kills Luca Brazzi and then puts a hit on Vito. Which is not successful, but they do shoot him because Fredo is in charge of watching out. Fredo cannot handle a gun. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Fredo handling Fredo that revolver. can't handle the following things. A gun. A casino. <laughs> ladies of the night. His own wife. <laughs> Getting, <laughs> properly betraying your brother. Oh, we'll see yeah. all that. Or, and finally, fishing. Can't do any of it at all. Yeah, but you I, know... The thing, the thing about that is, and again, I keep coming. That movie is Brando, though everybody else in it is great. Brando, oh, okay. Now, da, 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 da. Brando moves it. Brando makes it. Whatever, man. Listen, okay. stop, stop. you talk about this thing about Waltz in, in, in California. Yeah, His, the ruthlessness. The they want to show you Brando as this powerful, all powerful guy. Be, and then later, when you see him when he's been shot in the act of getting shot, he becomes less powerful in every scene. Even the Salazzo scene when he's not in his uh, tuxedo, he's a little bit more sedate. He's still respected, but you can see that he's getting older. He plays powerful. He plays vulnerable. Vulnerable. He plays semi-vulnerable. He plays reasonable. He plays old man about to die. The dude is fantastic. Great, of course. Is, is your argument that Brando is fantastic in the movie and generally? Because, of course, he is. Just that he is to acting what Bob is to singing. Great. All right. So the hit is not successful. He's he's uh, hospitalized. He's seriously hurt. And he's going to be holed up for a while, right? Yeah. So what happens to the family while he's in the hospital? First of all, let's talk about the hospital scene, because uh, your girl, your gal, your woman, Anne Barnhart. Yeah. People may or may not know. <laughs> feel free to Google. Is isn't she the one who says that that's when he goes off the rails? Yes, but I disagree with that. Oh, take. So, so I do too. But we have to mention it. So. The Don's in the hospital. It's Christmas time. Michael goes there to protect him because everyone's abandoned him. And he finds only Enzo the baker there. Yes. I'm Enzo! He realizes that uh, the assassins are going to come by to finish the job. And he tells Enzo, hey, act like you got a gun in your pocket, blah, blah, blah. Before that, this is important, he says, you need to get out of here. He does try to save Enzo. He tells him to get out of here. And Enzo says, no, I want to stay to do anything to help her. Enzo like, the baker, everyone. Enzo, thank you. So, okay, fine. So so then he commandeers Enzo. They act like they have guns in their pockets. The assassins drive by. The Don is saved. Right. Some people say this is when Michael fully lost his soul. Of course, that's false. And it's rough. That's why I pointed out that he first told Enzo to leave because I think... That's important. Enzo volunteered for this gig, maybe not knowing the full importance. I assume you are correct. I don't think it's important at all. I think that he came there. He came there to pay his respects. It's not right to have him killed, no matter what. Why is it wrong to try to protect someone who's in the hospital? That's no, not but a, that's fine. But it's even better in that he didn't use an unwitting sure. instrument. Sure, he had but, a guy who volunteered. For but that. this isn't even close. In fact, I, I mean, Michael's descent happens in steps, as we'll see. But I think it is important if to give her a little bit of credit, which is this. I don't agree with her point, but. He sees that he is able to tell people what to do, to use them, and he's he he's smart. That is the first time he did use somebody, but it was willing. Okay. 
So Michael, uh, far be it from him putting it on someone else, decides that he's the one who's uniquely positioned to take out, to, to, re, uh, to exact vengeance, to take out Salazzo and the corrupt police captain, McCluskey, who is in Salazzo's pocket, right? So Michael volunteers to kill them in the restaurant, the famous, famous of famous scenes. So this scene, just a masterpiece. As an aside, on IMDb, you know, when you look up The Godfather. What's that? Well, it's a dang movie database. Never heard of it. Go ahead. Okay. The synopsis, the quick synopsis is aging, something like this, aging mob boss hands over control of his family to his reluctant son. And I'm like, <laughs> that is completely inaccurate because Michael is not reluctant. They were reluctant to give it to Michael, maybe, but he showed no reluctance now, whatsoever. I'm gonna, I'm, gonna disagree a, I'm gonna disagree a little bit. I think he is reluctant. He never wanted it. He feels like after the Don... To honor Vito, he has to take it over. He sees that if he doesn't, it's going to fall. I think he was first. And again, I mean, he's, the, it's both. I, I agree. But in, in, once he decides to do it, there's no reluctance whatsoever. The man is ruthless and he's cunning and he's incredibly bright. Let me ask you this question. Someone's a reluctant MMA fighter. He doesn't want to get in the ring at all. He can't at all. They, they bring him to ringside and then he steps in, right? And he and he beats beats the guy to death. He's still reluctant because they forced him in the ring. Once he's in the ring, it has nothing to do with his reluctance. Right, but I don't think that is Michael technically. You know, Sonny wants him to call so and so and do this, and he does it. Never complains. He never says no. And then when they want him to do something else, uh, Hagen reminds Sonny, "Oh no, 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 your dad wouldn't want Michael involved." It's always the dad didn't want it for Michael. You know, I. All right. I think you can be willing and reluctant at the same time. And but tracking the, the loss of Michael's soul, this thing that he did with Salazzo, I mean, obviously it's it's cold-blooded murder, but it is, it is an avenging, which has some draw from a you know traditional perspective. Again, we're within a, a realm of morality that's clearly not perfect. He acted at the hospital, and I believe with Salazzo, he, liter- he literally, to use a matter of expression... That's two. I'm not going to do three. <laughs> but he was really motivated out of love for his dad. I think of course. He, he clearly loved his father. There, there's no doubt about that to me. There was no artifice in that. That son of a gun who tried to kill his father had to die. Okay. Not just Within for the revenge, but also to protect his father. Yeah, I think that's the larger point. Of course, we're not condoning any of this morality. But if he tries to kill my dad, they're getting it. Okay. Well, he's already dead, so that's going to be pretty easy. <laughs> God rest his soul. He's what they call an easy mark in the business. Yeah, I guess I don't have to worry about that. Tim, I've got some really bad news. They got to paw. <laughs> don't say that. That's not uh, okay, so the scene's a masterpiece. The brutality. Again, he's motivated by, within this world, pure intentions. This is a justified revenge hit within the world. He loves his father. And most of all, it is, it's necessary to protect further harm to his family, which they, you know, Salazzo basically says will happen. Um, so that's, that's that. But the brutality with which he has to kill uh, McCloskey, especially the police captain, the way he gurgles in his uh, throat yeah, after very, the shot. Very it affected scene. me. Yeah, I saw this, I guess, when I was like 15, 16. And I, it's one of those images that will never leave my head, for I better think, or worse. Uh, I, I th- number one, it was very satisfying. The guy had it coming. Number two, yes. And you see, and this is why Pacino, before he entered into overacting territory, a la Jack Nicholson, your other favorite actor. But neither of those are my favorite actors. In that moment, you see him go through the gamut of emotion. You, Even if justified, which I'm not saying this is, but even if it's justified, you can't kill somebody and have it not change you. And you see it. Yeah. The acting in this movie is superb. But you also see, uh, not that he's unwilling to do it because it was his idea, and I think he is, but that the hesitation and the kind of sickness when he realizes what's actually going to happen, you know, that he plays that perfectly. That You, you never doubt that he's going to do it, but you see him going through the difficulty of doing it. Right. Okay, so Michael uh, does this, and of course he has to get going. So we go <laughs> to Sicily, our country. Sicilia. 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 Wrong. It's with an S. That's right, Tom. Uh, so he goes to Sicily. Wonderful country. Wonderful. And further to your point of seeing that dad's business is going to go under if I don't take it over, 
and he's just killed a guy. He's now got to recreate what Dad did. It's so fantastic. Go. Well, he goes to Sicily. He wants to build his own Sicilian family. Ah, 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 ah. But you don't know that he's recreating it until Godfather 2. A wonderful picture. We'll talk about shortly what you hate. I love Godfather 2. Whatever. Too. So he goes to Sicily and he meets someone way better than Kay. Diane Right. Kay. And can we talk about the hot scale now? Apollonia. Apollonia. Uh, we, we can't, but you can. It's super hot. I mean, she is hotter than the heat of a thousand suns. That chick is so hot. She's hotter than Hottie Hottinson. So the, uh, you know, the exodus to Italy. Another scene which, you know, I, I can imagine the movie with him just, oh, Michael's in Sicily, and you carry on with the other part of the movie till he comes back. But this deepens Mike, Michael's character even further and provides him, like, that last chance at not really entering the mafia. And here's where Anne's, Anne's part, uh, point fails, because to me... This man has committed a murder. He needs to go to confession, obviously. But within the, is he in the mafia thing yet? This was, this was more of a personal thing. He is not a part of the mafia business. If he went to Italy, married Apollonia, lived his life out, it would have been the end. He could have had, a, you know, kids, family, normal life, etc. But they pull him in and they bomb Apollonia. Okay. So two, two things. Number one, I'm disappointed you made no comment on my hot comment about Apollonia. You know she's hot. No comment. Oh, come on. Okay. Number two. In fact, there's that's the only scene in the movie where you really have to avoid it. Oh, wait. Account. And that is my one criticism of Godfather 1, which is a real thing. When we're talking of the upper echelons of uh, perfection, of course you can skip the scene, but there's a way, way unnecessary nude scene. Correct. Totally unnecessary. Well, right. And I think that was a. it's a victim of its time when it was made, but... When I gave the hot scale, this nude scene was not necessary for my hot rating. Of course not, all. but I'm just saying that scene to me mars the film. It does. Okay. It does. Absolutely. So if you have two, you know, perfect tens, but you've taken off point one. Well, let's not little... get into the comparison discussion yet. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we'll get yet. we'll get there, bro. Um, but the scene about Apollonia, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit. I think he was already forming the family then, but I see that with Michael in many points of the the two movies. He does something which is capable of, I have a good intention, a good thing, or I'm really just using that as a ruse. Mm -hmm. A lot. And this is the first time you see that. So you just made me think of two points, okay? I'll start with the first. One of the reasons I love Breaking Bad, despite the fact that it has some immoral content, and people are like, how can you like a movie about evil things and they do evil things? I know that guy. Yeah, it's it's your coffee hour friend who hates your podcast, uh, talking about, you know, blah, blah, blah. So Walter White, in the same way, has many opportunities of, you know, he, he degrades himself. He steps down further. He degrades himself. He has an opportunity to turn back. He says, no, he's going to keep going. So to me, this is one of those opportunities. And I just don't get why that, what is the point of the, of showing the development of the relationship with him and Apollonia if it's not to say that? What is it trying to say? Because you're left to try to decide. People have a natural tendency, and I, I love these things, especially like with history. What if? What if he had, she hadn't been bombed? Would he have gone bad? Right. I think he might have. I mean, I think Apollonia's like, because he, he deals with her father. It's like this, he's very, very much the, the mafia boss. He's wanting to show respect, but he's in charge of that whole situation, even though he's showing humility he makes yeah. a big show of his own humility that's a fair point and i think um it's the same with walter white so in in the end because i think these are real people and they're facing real no, choices Tim, they're not this is a movie these people are acting correct <laughs> correct okay <laughs> i lost sight of it that's the power of the movies but anyway Maybe. if they were real people there are real people who face choices in life and you can see in retrospect, since we're on the we're off on a little tangent, let me take the a whole side. podcast is a tangent. I'm taking off on a side trail from the tangent. Please. C.S. Lewis, The Great Divorce. Who's that? <laughs> he is a Christian, but not Catholic writer, but kind of Catholic, but not really. Go on. He this idea of you know when it's all over. We're in heaven, we're in hell. Mm-hmm. Everything you did in life could be heaven if you make it to heaven. It started early, like your baptism. It was, in a sense, part of heaven. Okay. But you only know at the end, because time is this construct, and if you're in hell, it's all hell. I have so, to throw in this quote before you finish. Okay. I don't know if it was C.S. Lewis. It might have been, but it was somebody, for sure, not me, who said, life, life uh, has to be lived forward, but can only be understood backwards. That's, that's brilliant. 
to humans. God understands it all for right. us immediately. So I think with whether it's Walter White or Michael or even Vito Corleone or whatever, all of these things, if you really knew this person in real life at that time, maybe they don't know. And maybe they do mean both of their human beings want to hold two doors open and into, go to the right. to I don't the want to go get into, you know, Thomism and all that. But yeah, does he have the cho- he, does he still have the choice at this point or not? Of course. Right. So there's always free will. Right. But, this to me is one of the clear he could have still gotten away from it. Sonny was still alive, all that stuff. Right, but I think that he was already double playing. He yeah, was playing both. both sides. Of course, it's both. Always. All right. So he flees, and that doesn't work out so well for old Michael. Because, well, I guess it works out for works him. Works out great. He doesn't die. Bingo. But I think he would have rather died because he truly loved her. Yeah, but I he, think a lot of it had to do with the fact that she was super hot. <laughs> that chick was hot. Okay, and so like I really like the scene where she gets blown up, right? <laughs> I like seeing people get blown up. No, not because of that, but the immediate precursor. Okay, so it's like a typical woman, right? You've got this really... Whoa, whoa. Hey, listen, man, I'm going to keep it... i got to keep it real. All right, so, sorry, women listeners, all two of you. Uh, yeah, are there any? There are, I know okay. for a fact. Well, then I take it all back. You're wonderful, wonderful people. Wonderful. So, but anyway, so the Didn't difference we... between the sexes, you got Michael, who's this uh, like omnicompetent, ruthless, calculating logic guy. And then you've got Apollonia, who's this wonderfully wholesome, wonderfully totally hot wife. And she wants to show him how she's making progress in English. And she's like, uh, oh, I know all of my English. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Saturday, Friday, Friday, Thursday, Friday. And that's like what all she cares about. And it's like so mundane and so typical. It's like, okay, she's just talking and talking. And Michael finds out that he's going to be, you know, Sonny was killed. And she's just going on and on. And then boom! Boom. Pretty cool. Yeah. And of course... Not the not the last instance of a, a woman driving joke that's just sitting there on the podcast, <laughs> which I will not touch. I will not touch that. Much I, like she shouldn't have touched the ignition to that I, car. I convinced my driving age daughter that she's convinced that women can't drive. I mean, it's fantastic. The uh, mind control runs deep in the ten man's household. <laughs> yeah, with some of the children. No. Oh. So yeah. So while Michael's gone, Sonny's got himself in a whole uh, heap of trouble. He beat up young Carlo, Connie's uh, ne'er do well abusive husband. He said, "I'll kill you if you touch my sister again." In one of the, by the way, the only. Hold on, I'm going to register. Wait, listen. I'm going to register my first official. Well, no, the nudity was first. The second official complaint about this movie. Okay, that fight scene in the street contains one of the worst missed punches yes in movie in great movie history i agree with you he literally literally missed him at 50 feet like a young brandon moss or possibly 50 or randall gritchick yeah he punches the air approximately three counties away from carlo who then five seconds later reacts so it was the worst you're francis Ford Coppola, right you're making this movie (laughs) You're watching this in post-production, and you're just you're like, like, I've made my own little movies. I've done nothing like this. How can you watch that? You're watching the rough cut, and you say, you know what? Just leave it in there. It's fine. No. Did- no, you're wrong. It's 1972, right? Okay. He's on dope. He's editing on drugs. He didn't notice he, it. I'm going to go ahead and say, first of all, is that that's slander. No, nobody believes it. Oh, yeah? It's a jacose lie. Yeah. You just take the yeah, punch it's out. It's All horrific. you have to do is cut that punch out. You could leave the rest of the scene as is. Yeah, you could like he focus beats on the face plenty. of some little kid exactly. and hear that. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a, that's a big flaw to me. All right. But Sonny, he gets himself shot up at the toll booth because he's going after Carlo for the final time. And we all know Carlo's in on it. And he gets set up. Right. Toll booth murder. One of the great murder scenes in movie history. And before we leave that scene, I wanted to point out, you know, at the wedding, everybody gets introduced at the wedding. Yeah. He's having, an, let's just say, an illicit liaison or a, uh, what do we call an assignation with some plump young lady. Not the, not the most attractive woman at the party. No, sure. no. That's it. So then, later we find out when he's all ticked off at Carlo for really beating nearly to death his sister. Who's he with on these illicit liaisons while they're in a full-out gang war and everybody's hiding? He still has to go out. It's that chick. Yeah. And I never noticed it. Until this very day. <laughs> anyway, the last time I saw the movie, that when Bartsini gets shot or one of the heads of the five families, yeah, yeah. whoever it is, he's with 
the one that gets caught in bed, it's that chick in that bed. Great. I never so, knew it was her. So now I want to make this point. Yeah. Is is there something? Because you know how the, the old trope about horror movies, a lot of them like Halloween, you don't get it unless you've fornicated kind of a thing, if, unless you're involved in some uh, something you shouldn't be. It's like the movie itself is saying something about sins of the flesh. Is this movie trying to tie these sins of the flesh to the character's uh, bad fates? I don't think so, no. But I it's do. an interesting point. I do. Okay. Whatever. Somehow. Right, but we can't really know how. Well, with with Sonny, it just, sh- I mean, really, in a sense, it's a very basic type. Sonny is bestial. Yeah. Fredo is innocent and stupid, and Michael is cunning and diabolical. Right. So, so Sonny is like the embodiment of sins of the flesh. His anger, his wrath, his pride his ill judgment, his lust, and he falls victim to them. He's too stupid to realize he's being set up. He's all passion and, and no deliberation. Yeah, he's, he, he falls right into it. And every opponent of his knows it. You yeah. know, don't lose that famous temper, Sonny. So this is why I say, like, I mean, Michael sees all this at the beginning, and that's why he knows that he, he's going to have to take over if this thing's going to keep going. And he wants to keep going because his dad's still alive, and he wants to, to honor his what he thinks is his life's work. And what I thought was really neat in the brother relationship sense is as a moviegoer, initially you think Sonny's obviously a hothead, he's not right for this, Tom's a reasonable guy. But the first move Michael makes is to agree with Sonny that Salazzo's got to go. He just does it in a smart way, plus he knows that Sonny couldn't do it because there'd be no meaning that they would trust Sonny not to do something violent. And right, and I mean, Sonny, even in the first meeting with Salazzo, clearly shows that he's not equipped to handle anything. He loves his dad like Fredo. He's as smart as Tom Hagen. He's as ruthless as, as Sonny. He's the best of all the, all the sons. Yeah. So uh, to get rid of Fredo as a problem, they send him out to Vegas to uh, parlay his uh, skills at <laughs> living the life of Riley with Mo Green. You don't talk to Mo Green that way. All right. So Michael gets back. And he has to kind of take over because there's really no other option and the Godfather is infirm. And can we talk about oranges now? I think this is a good time to talk about oranges. So many better reviewers than I. No, no, says the listener. There are no such reviewers. Nay, nay, says I. There are, I'm sure. I haven't met any, but there must be. Have talked about the oranges. Have talked about the oranges and the symbolism with death. Okay, so at the beginning... Of the movie, uh, the wedding. I don't remember who's eating an orange, but he gets it. Uh, Abe Vigoda. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, He's got more name? rhymes. Tessia. Yeah, Tessia, the great Tessia. Uh, he gets it later. Uh, Brando is buying oranges when he gets hit the first time, and of course, the famous scene with the oranges in the garden. Okay. But Michael is slowly taking over for the Don, and the way Brando plays being someone who's still smart still has it but has lost the fastball in advising mike oh i'm sorry that whole thing women and children can be careless but not men that whole thing that that's like my favorite part of the movie watching him trying to age transfer power gracefully deal with his sickness gracefully be a grandpa it's very touching okay before even that brando when he gets brought home from the hospital and there's that chaotic family scene where they're all there to welcome him because you better be there to show him the respect. But it's actually, it's not good for him. So he sends him all the way. And finally, where's Michael? And they tell him that Michael killed Salazzo and Brando, yeah. the tears down his cheek. He wasn't crying that Michael wasn't there. He wasn't crying that no, Michael no. wasn't He knew that that meant that Michael was going to be running this family. And the thing that he didn't want. And so now he... he, he didn't want to be careless. He wanted to provide for his family. He makes no apologies for how he lived his life. He was trying to do all of that to produce one wholesome, good fruit of his efforts. Okay. And now that's marred. That was the the end of Vito Corleone. So this is, well, slow down there. I don't know about that at all. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't really agree. Uh, yes, of course he's sad. He sees that his way of living has kind of inexorably led to this. But I don't think... That he can be surprised in any way. Has he been around for the for the formative years of these children's lives? Because he says 
I thought Santino was a bad Don, God rest his soul. Yeah. He knew that he would be a bad Don. He knew yes. that Fredo was not just going to be a bad Don, but was wholly incapable of even performing the elementary tasks that were involved. Only Michael could do this. So what was what was his plan exactly? I think that, the, and I'm, I'm adding the, the veto of both movies together, okay? okay. <clears throat> I think he knew that Santino would not be great as a Don, but in the first part of the movie, you don't see it all. But you sense it from a couple of scenes that he has been training him in certain things. You need to be loyal to your family. You need to be there for your family. You need to speak and not to reveal family secrets to Salazzo, blah, blah, blah. He was always grooming him. And I think he tried to build an organization that was so good, well-run, and powerful that even Santino could run it with his flaws. He knew Michael was a better kid, so to speak, but he did want to preserve him. And like, so I've done all these bad things and maybe he's looking to his conscience, but at least I produced Michael, President Corleone, who's going to redeem the whole family. And that out was taken away from him. Yeah, he knew Santino was not going to be great, but it was either him or Fredo. I mean, give me a break. That's an easy call. Sure. But, you know, when it, that, uh, that's another thing. Like he wanted him to be Senator Corleone, Dr. Corleone, whatever. Pope Michael still, the first. You still would have used that connection for when he needed it, obviously. I think it's an either or. It's the two doors open. Yeah, well, one one door's open. But the thing about Vito, and he's already walked through it. The thing about Vito, and I, I get this from both moves. I think Vito, as horrible as a, a guy as he was and did things, I think he always had the good intention. Now, the road to hell is paved with them. But I never got the sense from Vito that he was anything except trying to do something honorable wrongly. I, I think he had a great intention throughout. The way De Niro played him in the second movie, we'll the way that. he played it in the first movie, I, I think the whole way through, he really had honor. And it was a real thing to him. And it might have been an artifice for others, but it wasn't for him. Okay. Okay, sure. So the scene in the garden where he uh, is chasing the kid around, one of the great scenes in movie history, you probably know it, uh, but that was real. I mean, he really made that kid cry. He, that was all Brando's doing. It was totally ad hoc, putting the orange in the mouth and being the monster, etc. Yeah, total method actor. And, you know, uh, the, my favorite part of it is, like, for that time period, he's got this DDT there sprayed <laughs> out, and he puts it right yes. there where all the food is. Yes. That That's, was real DDT, folks. That, that, is that so... actually killed Brando. They reanimated the corpse like Mr. Just, Burns. Oh, I got this bottle full of poison that's leaking. Let's put it by the food. <laughs> that, is to me, is how I grew up. That scene reminded I me actually... so much of my Sicilian great-grandfather. I just the, the only memories I have of him are just kind of – Wearing the rumbly clothes. It, that always takes me back in a way that I can't even describe. It's so authentic. I think you just described it pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, the Don dies, and no sooner, no, no sooner is he being put into the ground than Michael's uh, realizing the plot's against him. He's ready to settle the family business and settle. We skipped over a great scene. A lot, a lot, yeah. I have to go back. This is my fault. Go ahead. May it cult the audience. You alluded uh, to it on the you can't be careless. No, 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 not that scene. Not that scene. The okay. scene where he he calls the meeting of the five families. Oh, and he gives one of the best you know yeah. monologues in movie history, where he's like, "I will not break the peace that uh, we have uh, brokered today, etc. If lightning should strike, etc." That scene is just wonderful. Okay, you're right. It is wonderful. Everything about his wife. He should be, you know, the the he he sacrifices everything because he needs to get Michael back, and then he says, "I I swear on the graves of my grandchildren, the souls of my grandchildren." Yeah. That I would not be the one to break the peace. He knows when he says it that Michael will be yeah. the one to break the peace. Yeah. That's why he needs Michael back. I need Michael back, and you guys can't touch him. Bolt of lightning. I won't forgive. That would be yeah. he could enforce that. Mm -hmm. It would be the last act of power I think that he would have had in him. But once Michael gets back, he knows that they're going to win because Michael will kill everybody. He knows it. It's fantastic. It doesn't just know it. He counsels him. He says, whoever comes through, right. that's the traitor. Here's I what mean, you're going to do. That day that happen. he said it, he was already thinking, Michael will deal yes. with all of you. Okay. So eventually, Michael gets his chance. And we have, I guess, the single most memorable scene of the entire movie. Uh, to me, I'll just go to me. The And it's not a scene. It's several scenes in a cut. But the contrast of Michael standing as godfather to Connie's baby with the murdering of the heads of the five families in Morgan. 
I have to say something. It doesn't have anything strictly speaking to do with the movie. Is it about Latin? No. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Okay. I wear a bow tie. Okay. And I've recently purchased a hat. Neat. The hat that Michael wears to and from the church on that God on that Godfather scene, that is the coolest hat I have ever seen. I am going to buy that hat and I will wear it. I believe that hat would be expensive. It will be. Money is no object. Whatever. So, first of all, and we've come by the long road, ladies and gentlemen. This is already probably the longest podcast we've ever done. We're not even halfway through it yet. To one of the main themes of the movie, and not maybe a theme, but one of the the background uh, omnipresent uh, institutions in the movie, the Catholic Church pre-Vatican II. Uh, Spoiler alert, way better. (laughs) I mean, <laughs> today, it's not real good. Things are really bad. It's a little too loud. Horrible. So. Yeah, way better. I'm sure there have been many, you know, like, critiques of Godfather critiques, masculine patriarchy of Catholic Church, blah, 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 blah. I don't believe in that angle, and I'm not going for that angle. I certainly think that, obviously, the uh, contrast of the murdering with him being the godfather is to point out his hypocrisy, to point out his double life. Yes. That is when he finally loses his soul. But that's... Well, okay. Easy, easy. That's when he crosses the the, the point of no return. Okay. I... I, I, I 100% don't I agree with back, you. you know I that. take it back. There's always side repent. Right. But. Yeah, yeah. That, that's, that's, and that's why Godfather 2 is awesome because it's not the point of no return. There is no point of no return until you're dead, right? But we'll talk about that. Can we it's talk about steps. Sophia Coppola and Godfather 3? We cannot. Okay. But I know what you might say about her. She's pretty dang hot. I think that that's the easy critique, the hypocrisy of the character, or whatever, the hypocrisy of the, these people in the Catholic Church, etc. But the points I'd like to make are, one, I think that there is something to not only the formation of the mafia in, in, in old Italy and in America and the deadness of the faith in a certain sense. What I mean by that is the faith is never dead. The faith is the gates of hell will not prevail, but... Clearly there was something about the way the faith was being handed down at that time that made people ripe for the picking for Vatican II and beyond. You and I are going to disagree here. You don't agree with that statement? I don't agree that the Godfather exhibits that. No, no, no. no. Okay, well, that's just the truth. It is a truth. Certain people in enormous numbers were ripe for the picking. Yeah, but we're talking about diabolical forces here. I don't... don't... Does that, does that matter? Know, that doesn't man. change my point. All right, but this, the, here's my second point. Yeah. They did have a certain code of honor and a certain belief, even within this immoral milieu, and I think that this is supposed to show us that Michael's violating even that sort of a, a thing with these murders. Yeah. All right? Yeah, because you respect so the can, system, the families. Right. We're, we're sinners, got it, but we're there's still a code within this, and we still pay certain... Not just lip service, but more than lip service without full devotion to this idea of code, honor, okay. loyalty, God, church, etc. Right. And he's, he's, he's stepping over those boundaries. Right, but okay, but I agree with you. But how do you respond to the idea that Barzini obviously was trying to kill him? So is Barzini overstepping the code or is Barzini just exacting vengeance for what Michael did much later? But if he is, then he violates the peace that Vito had. How can you exact had. vengeance or something that hasn't happened yet? What do you mean? Bartzini. I never knew until this day there was Bartzini all along. So Bartzini had the plan for Salazzo and the drugs. Michael killed him. This is vengeance on that plan. Michael really crossed Bartzini without knowing it. Clearly, if we're going to do this, which we can't do, the first blood was drawn by Salazzo Bartzini. Right, we don't Obviously, know what they happened killed before Brazzini the tried movie. to kill Vito. Right. My, my point is... Well, and he uh, he refused an accommodation, which violated the code. But, but not to get to that point, but if Michael was overstepping the line, which I understand your point and I agree with, couldn't we say that Barzini was going to do it first and this was a form of self-defense? Clearly he was overstepping the line within the, the views of, of the film because no one had ever tried such an audacious hit of the five families just to consolidate power in themselves. He didn't just hit Barzini. I think your, your point is stronger in that way. He hit everybody. He wanted to make sure that nobody was coming at him. That's where he went too far. And I think that's clear. It worked. 
Right, but the reason that it worked for him is because no one else would have done that. That was part of the agreement they had. That's the nature of criminal organizations. There's always an agreement. And someone always, the first person to break the agreement is usually the one who rises to the top. That's why you don't get involved in these things. But I think that's what they're trying to say. In addition to the larger point of this man is a hypocrite, he's leading double life, etc. Okay, the way the scene is cut, the use of the Latin, the use of the music, the brutality of the killings, the beauty of the baptism, a masterwork. Yeah, I mean, do you reject Satan? Abrenuncio. They don't say it in Latin, of course. Yeah. Well, they don't. Well, we're not that part of it. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, no, it's good. I do renounce him. So then we get. And then, bam! Wow. So then Michael's completed. Well, go ahead. I'm sorry. Aesthetically, the image of fat, fat, fat Clemenza prepping and then having to climb all those stairs, <laughs> all the different hits. They have different guys doing them. They send the fattest dude up 15 flights of stairs. That was my favorite. Yeah, and, uh, and that's another thing. Like, these movies are grim affairs, but they never are without certain moments of levity. And those are, <laughs> I think those are intentional. Clemenza. All right. So Michael Michael carries it out. He's officially, you know, he's, he's the godfather. There's no doubt about that. He finishes it off by killing off... Uh, the traitor within his team, who got Sonny killed, Carlo, Connie's husband, despite the fact, for despite the fact that it leaves her a widow and her children orphans. Yeah, she won't get the child. Anymore. The children of which he is the god, one of which he is the godfather. I mean, it's 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 brutal. Okay, and at the end, he's uh, he's in his uh, in his uh, den, and Kay wants to talk to him, and she gets the door shut in her face. Yeah, and he's the godfather. Okay, so and there's a uh, foreshadowing of this. when So early in the film, he and Kay are the innocents. He doesn't want any part of the family business. He's different than this. So they're in New York when Vito gets shot. And she sees it on a newsstand. She says, Michael. And then he reads that Vito Corleone feels feared dead. He goes to the phone booth, and he's going to call. And he shuts the door. Kay's outside, and he shuts the door on her. The first time he shuts her out. This is the very first time that Michael shuts Kay out of anything to talk to Sonny. Yeah. And that is re uh it's repeated in the last scene when he when the door is shut when he's the godfather. Okay. It's a powerful foreshadowing. So just for all you listeners at home, that's called foreshadowing. A yeah. lot of people might not know that. It's a technical term. It's for a movie foreshadowing. Makers. And Carlo as the little weasel inside the, the operation. I, I think of him as a Richard Rich character from A Man from All Seasons, so, A Man for All Seasons, because he constantly wants a job. Oh, I can work for you, you know, Sir Thomas, blah blah blah. And in the end, Thomas knows that he's got something wrong with him. He won't use him, and then he betrays him. He betrays Thomas. Carlo, would he have been loyal if you had given him a job? We're left to wonder because they shut him out almost immediately. I don't wonder at all. No, he would have been disloyal, and he ended up being disloyal. That's Richard Rich. So going back to Kay, before he shuts the door on her, she straight up asks him, did you do it? Did you kill Carlo? What I love about this scene is that he tells her the absolute truth. No. <laughs> right. This is this is the transition to the Godfather because he is he's not just shutting her out of certain things or being little. He is lying to her. He, that, the double life is 100% complete. I don't, even, credits. I don't even think that was a mental reservation. That was a flat-out lie. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Yeah. And lying is wrong unless you're lying to a shrewish Diane Keaton. That chick, <laughs> she doesn't deserve anything. They're enti- you like can if you lie to her whenever you want. A lot of people don't know this, but I think it's question 1012 in the Summa. Is, yeah. is it okay to lie to Diane Keaton? And the answer is yes. This is an exception. So uh, that's the that's official. Uh, he's shutting out his family. He's leading the double life to, 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 to be the head of the family. How ironic. Tim, this movie has uh, received some acclaim. <laughs> what do you think you give it out of the Tim Mans? How many? Uh, out of ten? Yeah, I would sure. give it 11, the Tin Mans. You can only give it 10. It's a 10-point 10 scale. Go ahead. 10.3, the Tin Mans. Go ahead. The Tin Man, 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 the Tin I would give it 10 cannoli out of 10. Of course, like, but one of the cannolis just one of the parts of the edge. It's just kind of broken off because of that nude scene. But otherwise, it's perfect, and it's wonderful.
Hi. 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 How's it going? Fine. Sitting at soccer practice. Sounds like fun. Oodles. Uh, you know that movie, The Godfather? Yeah, I know that movie. I heard, I heard things. Did you like it? Yeah, of course. Of course? Yeah, of course. Lots Could of... Anybody, have lot... you ever met anyone that says, I really don't like that movie? Mm, no. But, you know, a lot of the femininas, they don't like it. A lot of the femininas? Yeah. Well, I guess I'm not... I guess I'm not a lot of the femininas. So. That's right, and that's why I love you. Goodbye! Goodbye! So there we go. We are in agreement. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. Top three for me, Tom. It is my favorite movie of all time. Oh, sure. Oh, we're doing the podcast anyway. Now, there apparently, and I didn't know this until this very day, that there was a sequel to this movie, and it was called Godfather 2. They came up with the name on the spot. I don't believe it. You can't top that. So uh, as I see the time that we spent discussing this podcast in the interests of my family life, of the Tin Man's sobriety, and of uh, the podcast listeners' eardrums. We're going to go ahead and break here. We'll we'll put out uh, the Godfather Part 2 podcast. I don't know if it'll come out next week or possibly the week after because I also have a podcast on the cooker with uh, my real guest, Dr. Boo Bonner. He's not a real doctor. But in that second podcast, we will not only do the same thing for The Godfather 2, you can come back for more, but also uh, compare, contrast, and argue over the superiority of the two. And that'll be very short, because obviously the first one is best, (laughs) and anybody who doesn't think so is just an old prude. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not the first time or the last time that the Tin Man is wrong. Hey, you know, New York features prominently in this movie. Yeah? Just like in another fantastic movie. Oh, really? What movie is that? I've never heard of that. So, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. It's been wonderful. I had a good time. A real good, 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 good old time. And I'll see you next time on the Kelly Movie Podcast. I'm out. Are you on, Wayne? <laughs>